You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. Welcome back to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. And it is a thrill and an honor to be back here, to be able to learn together and to hopefully grow and connect. So I want to begin, last time we we learned together, uh, we talked about the topic of trust, trusting in Hashem, bitachon. And it's a very, very powerful, important topic, not one that should be taken lightly and not one that we should shy away from really gaining a full understanding as to what it what it really entails. Even though we have a world of uncertainty, it is a very important trait. It's a very important element of our lives that we should embody because this really gives us everything that we need to overcome fear, to overcome worry, and to overcome uncertainty. With that, my dear friends, we're going to begin. I want to begin with a, with an amazing story that I read a couple of weeks ago about the Brisker Rav, the great Rav of Brisk. Uh, when he got married, he got a very, very huge dowry from his uh, father-in-law. His father-in-law gave him an entire street that he owned in Warsaw. Now, in Warsaw, obviously, that was the big community in Poland. The, many, many Jews lived there, and it was really a special, special um, gift that he got. And uh, for many, it was considered a, a great blessing to uh, to own such property. But it was a tremendous distraction for the Briskorov, uh, particularly because he needed to manage it, he needed to find uh, uh, renters, and he needed to collect all of the rent. And co- you know, it was just he was keeping him very, very busy. But the Briskorov was a very, very holy, special man, a great Torah scholar, and didn't want to be busy with all of this. So what did he do? He did what anybody normal would do, right? Who want, who doesn't want to be busy with th- this distraction? He hired someone to sell all the properties for him. To sell everything for him. So he hired this individual, and shortly after that, the uh, the w- World War I broke out. And, of course, uh, some people fled, some people stayed, but the great Briskorov uh, left and came back. When he came back after the war, he wanted to know what's going on with the properties, and sure enough, that individual he hired had um, died, had passed away. So he went to the government records, to see how his property is doing. Sure enough, the scoundrel who he hired to sell the properties transferred all of the names, all of the property ownership to his own name. So now the Briskorov lost everything. He lost an entire street. Imagine you own an entire street in downtown Manhattan and it's all gone. So what did the Briskorov do? The Briskorov sat down and started learning. He started learning the Chovot Halevavot, which is the duties of the heart, a great book by Rabbeinu Bachya about, and he has an entire section of that book dealing with bitachon, with trust in Hashem. And the Briskorov said the following. He says, I used to think that someone who owns a whole street in Warsaw was wealthy. But now I know that someone who studies the chapter of bitachon of trust by Rabbeinu Bachya that is a person who is truly wealthy because no one in the world is happier than someone with trust in Hashem. There's no one on planet Earth who is happier than someone who has trust in Hashem. 
And true happiness is wealth. You want to know what wealth is? Someone who's happy. Ezahu Ashir. Who is a wealthy one, the Mishnah says? Hasameach Bechelko, someone who's happy with his shear, someone who's happy with his lot. It, this is really, I, I, you know, I have a, a personal story to share. It's not on my notes, but I, I just, I was reminded of this, and I think it's very, very worthy for the class that we have right now. So, as many of you may know, I've mentioned this in the past, uh, my dear wife, Sahava, had a business many years ago that she she started, um, and it was a paper goods store. And we started, you know, I had a few, a few, uh, thousand dollars that we put together and we bought this inventory and she was selling out of the garage and it was, uh, it was very nice. Um, she'd meet a lot of people from the community. She was able to help a lot of people out, but it was also a business and thankfully it grew very, very nicely. Came a point where it really was, uh, overwhelming and it was time to take it either make it into a store. And of course, she paid all the taxes and every quarter she would file all her documents and make sure that everything was, you know, above board. But it was just, it was overwhelming. It was, it was, it was very, very time consuming and it was growing. Many, many of the synagogues, I believe, uh, Beth Yishurn, Beth Israel, UOS, uh, Beit Rambam, Young Israel, many of the synagogues would buy their bulk plates and cups and all everything that they needed for a kiddish, for all of the things they would buy them from, from her. And it was, it was, it was, it was doing very well, but she didn't, we didn't take any of the money out. Everything went right back into the business so we could buy more inventory and we can, you know, grow the business and keep on growing it. All right, but it came, it became too overwhelming and we were looking to sell the business and hopefully cash out from that. And, and then we would be able to, um, it would be able to just move on with life, you know, just not be so busy and, and, and pay off, off our debts, whatever, you know. Okay. So someone, uh, uh, many people had expressed interest and, uh, I'm not going to get into too much details, but, uh, the person who ended up, uh, signing a contract and we had a, we had lawyers drafted a whole, uh, document, a sale document. And it was, you know, everything was, was above board and making sure that everything was done right. And we sold the business with the expectation that this was all written out in the contract that three months after the sale, we'd start getting our payments, you know, because the people needed a cash flow. They needed to, okay. Comes the first three months, nothing. The fourth month, nothing. Fifth month, nothing. Sixth month, I'm starting to hear rumors that this person is leaving town, this person who bought the, the business. And it turns out that the person did leave town. They sold off everything, all the inventory that we had uh, for cash. And that was it. That was the end of the business. And it was all gone. And we lost everything. Right, we lost everything that that was that was coming to us, and we were very sad. Obviously, we but we got into a discussion. We said, you know what? What are we being sad about? Everything is in the hands of Hashem. We can either start running to court and trying to sue the person and trying to this and trying to that, or we can just say, you know what? Hashem is in charge, and Hashem will take care of us. We said, you know what? That's the angle we're going to take because trusting in Hashem is a lot more uh, verified. And trusted than any other means, any other method uh, of of solving issues, right? You trust, you put your full faith and trust in, in Akadosh Baruch Hu, in the Almighty Creator of heaven and earth, and He will take care of all of the issues. And sure enough, it was a few weeks later that an individual from out of state 
was trying to develop a business in, in Texas and had no resources and had no uh, no he didn't know have his bearings here in Texas and he called me and he said you know what if you help me out in getting getting established you know with a with a uh, corporation etc cetera, etc cetera, I will give you a certain percentage of my earnings and if I tell you that within a year maybe two years much earlier than the amount of time that that sale would have fulfilled that 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 agreement every single penny to the penny that was the original sale amount came in through this new resource until the person was enough established in texas that they said you know the deal is over and it was it was like hashem took it here and gave it here unbelievable how we saw it we were able to see with our own hands how hashem had guided us, how Hashem had protected us, Hashem had taken care of us. And I want, I want to share with you a verse that we say in Adon Olam. At the end of Adon Olam, we say, Hashem li lo ira. Hashem is with me and I have nothing to fear. And the, our sages teach us that this is the essence of how a Jew should live his life. When we know that Hashem is with us, we have nothing to fear. Nothing to worry. Nothing to have doubt about. We're in the hands of Hashem. Hashem is the one who sustains us. Hashem is the one who feeds us. Hashem is the one who takes care of us. I, w- I want to share with you an amazing idea. Uh, a couple of these are coming from uh, from Joseph in the, in the Torah. We see the story of Joseph that when he, when he met his brothers for the first time, they didn't know who he was, so he sent back food according to to the amount of children that they had. It says, Lefi hataf, according to the amount of mouths or the amount of children that each one had. So if you had five children, he'd give you the amount of food for five, for five people. And if you had, if you had, you know, this amount, he'd send, he'd send you, he sent each one according to their needs. But our sages tell us a different way you can see this. It could be read a different way. That each person trusted he trusted Hashem like a child who trusts his parents. Every child, hopefully, in a healthy environment, in a healthy home, trusts that their parents will take care of them. Children shouldn't go to sleep worried, and hopefully healthy children don't go to sleep worried, uh-oh, is my parent going to feed me tomorrow? They trust that their parents will take care of them. They trust that their parents will have the things that they need, the clothes that they need, the food that they need, the protection that they need, the house that they need, that that a child hopefully grows up with that trust in their parents that the parents will take care of them. And that's the trust that we are, that the Torah is teaching us here, that the tribes had, is that they put the trust in the Almighty. We put our trust into the Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. There is nothing that he is limited in. Nothing. Hashem li lo ira. When Hashem is with me, when I know, when I'm confident that the Almighty is with me at all times, I have nothing to fear. Rabbeinu Bachia, that source that we mentioned previously in Shar HaBitachon, he says that one whose heart is strong with the trust of in Hashem, it's as if Hashem has made a promise to him. So think about that for a second. If God were to tell you, don't worry, I got this. Would you worry? Would you worry? Bobby, would you worry? No. I know I got a promise from the Almighty. Says Rabbeinu Bachi, when you put your trust in Hashem, the Almighty is making a promise to you. I've got you covered. 
I'm taking care of this for you. So it's a, it's a very interesting thing. Bitachon, trust in Hashem, is very, very powerful because it always brings results. It always brings results. It's an amazing thing. You know, why did the brothers, we're talking about Joseph, so why did the brothers show their father, Jacob, a bloodied coat and tell the father that Joseph died? Why was that necessary? Why do they need to say, why do they need to show him this coat that is stained with blood? I mean, wouldn't it be enough for him just not to show up? I don't, we don't know. And the father would assume that he died. But I say just tell us because if the brothers didn't make up that story, the father, Jacob, would have had trust in the Almighty. And trust is so powerful and it works so well when you trust in Hashem that Hashem would have had to make it that Joseph would come back to his father because of the trust that Jacob had in him. So therefore the brother, and then what would happen? Joseph would say, my brother sold me. He sold me to Egypt. The brothers didn't want that. So in order for the father not to have that level of trust in the Almighty, they had to come up with a conclusive story, with a, with a concrete story that Joseph died. And that, here is his coat. Here is the evidence that he was indeed taken from us. That's how powerful Bitachon, Bitachon is putting our trust in the Almighty. There is nothing that the Almighty cannot do. I want to share with you in this week's Torah portion, we see a very interesting thing. We mentioned this, I think, on Thursday in our Parsha class. A very, very amazing thing. Paro used to go every morning, early in the morning, before anybody in Egypt would wake up, Pharaoh would go to the Nile River. What would he go to the Nile River for? Many of the commentaries say that Pharaoh would go to relieve himself. He didn't want people, because he claimed to be a god, and he didn't want the people to see that he wasn't a god and that he needed to relieve himself like any other human being. So like this, nobody would see, and they would think, oh, he really is a god. But when God tells Moses, go speak to Pharaoh, he says, go speak to him when he's by the Nile River. Why? Why should he go see him when he's by the Nile River? <clears throat> Our sages tell us it's an amazing thing. Not so that he embarrass him while he's relieving. Not because of that. Because Pharaoh wasn't going for that either. Pharaoh was going to pray. Pharaoh was really going to pray. And even the prayer of a wicked, evil Pharaoh has power. Even the prayer of someone who wants to hurt the Jewish people has power. And therefore, God says to Moses, you know where you need to meet him? Go meet him by the River Nile. Go disturb his ability to pray because his prayer has power. Like every human being's prayer. You know, we also see the same idea, the same concept we see when we talk about City of Refuge. What was the City of Refuge? It was the Torah's uh, idea of a prison. Someone who killed by mistake. You didn't have evidence. You didn't have proof. You didn't have the witnesses. Right? So they would go to this prison. They would go to this City of Refuge. Now, what happened in the City of Refuge? That's where all of the criminals would be gathered. It was like, it was like a little jail. It was like, it was a city that was, you know, that was where they, where they would stay. Now, how would they get released from that? They would get released from that city of refuge only one way. When the Kohen Gadol, when the high priest would die. 
When the high priest would die, that would be an atonement for the generation, an atonement for all the people, and they will all be set free. So what would the mother of the Kohen Gadol do? The, the mother of the high priest, what would she do? She didn't want people to pray for her son to die. So she would go there and she would feed these prisoners. She would dress them. She would buy them clothes. She would knit clothes for them. She would do, she would keep them busy. And our sages ask, why, why would she keep them busy? Because she didn't want them to pray for her son to die. So she'd keep him busy, keep him happy, so that they don't want to pray for him to die. But the obvious question, these are criminals. What is their prayer worth already? I mean, they're not like these are righteous uh, scholars. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're holy people. These are the lowest of the low. These are low people. They're low lives. What do we care if they pray for the Kohen Gadol, for the high priest to die? It's not like there's some righteous people here. To say, just tell us the same idea. Prayers are very, very powerful. No matter who they come from. Prayers are very, very powerful. And therefore, no matter where they come from, no matter how they are, uh, how they are, they are, they are done, they have an, they have an impact. The same thing is with bitachon, with trust in Hashem. When a person has trust in Hashem, it has power. It has the ability to influence. It has the ability to, to bring about the, the mercy of God to have unbelievable things happen. I'll tell you an amazing story. You all know the story. The story of Hanukkah. Okay. Now, how many people do you have? The Greek had an unbelievably mighty army. And how many Jewish fighters were there? Anybody know? There were 12. There were 12 Jewish fighters. That's it. Against the mighty army. Imagine, imagine you have, you know, a, a, a whole British army or a French army or a, an American army and they're coming to, to take over a, uh, um, an island, right? And all you have on that island is 12 scholars <laughs> who are ready to fight. That's it. 12 scholars. You imagine they'll take them over in, in what, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. At best, 30 seconds. I mean, how long does it take to take down 12 people? You want to hear something amazing? What did these priests do, these these kohanim? They had trust in Hashem. That's it they had. Trust in Hashem. What did the Almighty do? The Almighty brought all 72 angels down from heaven, and those angels made miracles happen. Every arrow that was shot by a Greek soldier was turned around and hit that Greek soldier. So every bullet that was shot ended up killing the person who shot it. And the 12 Kohanim, the 12 uh, priests of the, the Hashmonaim, what happened? It's unbelievable. It's, an, it's a really an amazing thing that in no time the entire Greek army was was thrown off the entire Greek army. Okay, so another thing like this. So let's 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 see another another amazing thing. There was a story of the Chavetz Chaim. Uh, by the way, just another thing. So that was Hanukkah. What happened with Purim? What happened with Purim? Purim. Here you have the Jewish people who didn't even have an army. They had nothing, nothing like zero, nothing. 
What, what happens? The incredible story of Purim, where the Jewish people have no power, and the decree is out that the, all the Jewish people are going to be killed on the 13th day of Adar, and there's nothing left. There's no salvation. There's nothing. Hashem makes it, brings about the story where you have Vashti, she gets killed, and now Pharaoh's looking for a new queen, and the new queen is chosen to be Esther, etc., etc. One thing leads to the other. What did the Jewish people do? They said, we need to put our trust in the Almighty. That's it. We have to pray. We have to repent. We have to get on the right way so that we can merit to have that assistance from the Almighty. And behold, they did. And the miracles happened. So can one say now, well, okay, I just heard a class from Rabbi Wolby and I'm quitting my job. I don't need to worry about anything anymore. No, obviously we have to put forward our effort, but we have to remember that the success comes from the Almighty. And to illustrate this, I want to share with you a story of the Chavetz Chaim. A wagon driver once came to the Chavetz Chaim crying and he says, look, my entire livelihood was my horse. My horse died. So what am I going to do now? I have no more livelihood. The great Chavetz Chaim said to him, if your horse was the source of your livelihood, indeed cry. But if the source of your livelihood was the Almighty, you have nothing to worry about. He'll continue to find you a livelihood. Whether it be a horse, whether it be something else, whether it be a better job, a different job, it doesn't make a difference. Who is the source of your livelihood? Is it really the horse? You should start crying. (laughs) Should start crying for a different reason because you got all the wrong, you got all the wrong ideas thinking that the horse is the source of your livelihood. But if the source of your livelihood is the Almighty, then you have nothing to worry about. Hashem Li, if Hashem is for me, lo I have nothing to worry about. Everything will be taken care of. We must put forward an effort to provide a livelihood. That's true, but not to think that it is that effort that brings about the success. It's not. It's Hashem's assistance. It's Hashem's guidance. It's Hashem's miracles. How many times did we, I want to get that job. I want to get that, uh, I want to get, I need that interview. I need to get my child into that school. I right, we we're like, we get all worried and we get all worked up. Like, what's going to be? Like, Linda, I remember your story with your daughter, right? With the wedding, right? Right before the hurricane. And it's like, And it turned out it was so much better. It turned out to be a thousand times better. I want to share with you an amazing thing. I may have shared this in the past, um, in one of the classes, but I think it's, 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 it's so incredibly important. It says that Moses, when Moses was, was, uh, talking to the Almighty, what did the Almighty say to him? He says, my face you can't see. Only the back you can see. What does that mean? You can see the back of my head, but you can't see. So there are many, many different explanations. One of them is that you, you know, the face shows expression, right? If you see my face, you can see if I'm happy, if I'm sad, if I'm shocked. You can see the expression from the face. You can't see it from the back. The back, you only see the action. I see what the person's doing, but I can't see the expression. In a way, we can't see what the Almighty is feeling or thinking, because the Almighty doesn't think or feel, obviously. We can't see the expression, but we can see the action. Similarly, a different idea of how to understand this. 
God is telling Moses, you can't see the future. You can't see my face. You can't see the front or what's going to happen. But you know what you could see? You can look back. You can see the behind me. You can see the history. You can see that I've taken care of you. You can see that I've always been there for you. That you can see. And that can give us comfort to always know that the Almighty is there with us. There's no situation where the Almighty doesn't take care of us. Think back. You, all of us, each of us, we have, you're all very, very young. So you probably don't have that many years to look back. But if you look back at all of those years, you see, you know what? At the end of the day, it always worked out. We all have such a history. We have such a past. And we are all thinking what's going to be in the future. But look at the past. Hashem has always been there for us. He's always taken care of us. Always. There's never been an instance where everything failed and everything was a disaster and everything was... Well, at the moment, it may have felt that way. But when we look back, in hindsight, we see it actually worked out for the best. It was actually better that that happened. While we were in it, if we would hold that trust, we wouldn't have worry. We wouldn't have fear because we know if I look backwards, it's always worked out. That's why God is saying, you can't see the future, but you can look at the past. You can understand from the past that everything I do is always good for you. It's always good for you. Thank you, Bobby, for sharing. And what Bobby was saying is that she was talking to her grandson who's having worries and having fears, and she had to just comfort him and tell him, look at your past, look at what you've accomplished, look at how much, I would add, look at how much assistance God has given you to get to where you are today. You think he's going to just drop the ball on you now? The Almighty is always there for us. He's always there to help us. And if we look back, we could say, you know what? I was so upset that, uh, you know, my boss fired me from that job. Yeah, but look past that. One second. That brought so much good to my life. It gave me more time with my family. It gave me a better paying job. It gave me a job that's closer to my house. So we think, oh, he's so terrible. Look what he did. No, God was guiding you saying this is not good for you. Don't hold a grudge. Be happy. Look at the blessing you have. I want to share with you an amazing thing. It says, praised and fortunate is the one who trusts in Hashem. Praised and fortunate is the one who trusts in Hashem. An amazing thing. You remember the butler that was in the, in, in the, in the prison with Joseph. And Joseph tells him, remember me when you go back to the king's palace. Remember me. And Joseph, he said two words, remember me, right? And he got two more years in prison. But an amazing thing, if you look at the verse, the verse says something that doesn't really make so much sense. The verse says that the butler didn't remember Joseph. And then it says he forgot him. Well, if he didn't remember him, he forgot him. So we know there's now no extra word in the entire Torah. So why would the Torah go and add these extra words? Number one is he didn't remember Joseph. And the second thing, he forgot him. I say just tell us such a beautiful idea. The first part of that verse says he didn't remember Joseph. That's referring to the butler. He was referring to the butler. Their butler did not remember Joseph. But do you know what else happened? The second part of the verse is referring to Joseph. He forgot the butler. Joseph forgot the butler. You know why? Someone who thinks, you know what? Maybe he's going to help me. Maybe not. You think he's going to remember? You think he's not going to? That's not someone who trusts in Hashem. 
Joseph put all his trust in Hashem. So you know what happened? He forgot about the butler. He put all of his trust, he put all of his faith in Hashem. The butler didn't even exist. Hashem will take me out whenever Hashem takes me out. That's why the verse says, he didn't remember Joseph and he forgot him. He didn't remember Joseph is referring to the butler. But Joseph forgot about the butler because he put all his trust in the Almighty. Hashem has very broad shoulders, much broader than any of us can handle. So we can take the weight of the world and try to put it on our shoulders. We can try to take all of that worry and put it on our on our own shoulders. Or we can give it to Hashem and say, Hashem, <laughs> you carry it. Hashem, you have broader shoulders. You can carry my worries. And Hashem does, lovingly. All right, again, Look back and you'll see. You know, there's a verse that we say in Psalms 91. It says, You, Hashem, are my shield, therefore I am not afraid. You, Hashem, are my shield, therefore I am not afraid. You know, in this entire chapter, the letter Zion, the seventh letter of the Alphabet, does not appear. Very interesting. The letter Zion doesn't appear in this entire chapter. All the other letters appear except for the letter Zion. You know why? What is the letter Zion? The letter Zion also means arms, weapons. Think of the words we just said. You, Hashem, are my shield. Therefore, I'm not afraid. So what's not there? Weapons. I don't need weapons. The, the, right? the letter that's missing from the entire chapter of, of Psalms 91 is the letter that means arms, weapons. When we put our full trust in Hashem, we don't need the weapons. The letter Zion doesn't, it's not necessary when we have trust in Hashem. It's not necessary. When the mighty Greek army attacked the 12 soldiers, right, what do they do? They put their trust in Hashem. We say a verse uh, in the Torah, it's coming up in a couple of weeks, Hashem yilachem lachem, when the Jewish people were, were passing through the Red Sea, the sea split, God says to them, Hashem yilachem lachem, I will fight for you. You guys just continue plowing. Go, go, just go. Don't worry. I've got you covered. And what happened when the Egyptians attacked? The Almighty closed the waters in them. But can the Jewish people do that? They couldn't do that. And in fact, the Jewish people had a difficult time breaking into the into the sea. Who was the one who did it? Nachshon. Nachshon became, right, he was an example of someone who said, God said it's going to split, it's going to split, I'm going. And he went into the water, got to his nostrils, and then the water split. To show, I'm ready to give all, give all of my own wishes, all of my own powers, I'm ready to relinquish them to the Almighty. And when he did that, when he got to that point, He's about to go under. That's when the Almighty saved him. That's when the Almighty opened up the, 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 the sea and the Jewish people passed through on dry land. If we look throughout the entire Torah, we will see the same idea. Abraham put his full trust in the Almighty. We see that God tells him, Lech lecha, go. For what? Lecha, for you. You don't know where I'm sending you, but I'm telling you, go. You know what's going to happen? It's going to be the best thing for you. We don't know how. 
We don't know why. But what did Abraham do? He packs his bags and he goes. Lech, lecha. Go. I'm not telling you where. I'm not telling you why. But it's for your benefit. And we don't always see it. We don't always understand it. But Hashem constantly guides us and tells us time and again, listen, I'm here to do the best for you. Unless a parent is sadistic and and evil, every parent wants what's best for their child. Every parent wants what's best for the child. And we sometimes do, do things for our children that our children don't understand. Why are you doing this to me? I remember one of my rabbis once said an amazing story. He said that one of his children walked into the guest room and came out of the guest room with a box of pills, a little, you know, those orange things of pills from, from the guest. And they weren't sure, and all the pills were on the floor, and they weren't sure if the child, if he ate one of the pills, it's okay. It was like a vitamin. But if he ate the other, it's life-threatening. So what do they do? They rush to the hospital. They rush the baby to the hospital. And they're going to have to pump out the baby's stomach. They're going to have to, you know, suction it out. And it's very painful. He's a little two-year-old child. And the father was asked to hold his child's hands down. And he said, the child looked at him and said to him, you, you're holding me down while they're doing this to me. You're the person I trust. You should be protecting me. You're the one letting them do this to me. Right? But the child doesn't understand. This can mean your life if I don't do this. So we think we're sometimes that child. And we're saying, God, how can you do this to me? But Hashem is that father who's saying, I have to do this because this is what's best for you. We all have things that happen to us that are unfortunate. We all have things that happen to us that are sometimes troubling to us. But we have to recognize the Almighty is always there. The Almighty is our Father in Heaven who's there protecting us, shielding us from from evil, shielding us from things that, that could be catastrophic for us and protecting us, giving us, telling us, Lech lecha, go. This is for you. I've got you covered. This is the best thing for you. Even though right now you may not understand it. Even though right now there's no way for you to to, to understand and comprehend how this is good for you. To our friends who are listening on this podcast, we want to thank you very much. Welcome back to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. If you have any questions, please email me at awalby at torch web.org A-W-O-L-B-E at torchweb.org I look forward to hearing your comments, your questions and have a terrific week You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast a Torch production Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe To find more lessons offered by Torch please visit torchpodcast.com